0: Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. How much is money going to impact what the Lakers do building a roster this offseason? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with over 17,000 subscribers, uh, all talking Lakers this offseason and uh, getting ready for the draft, getting ready for free agency, Andy, and um, many of them wondering whether or not money Is going to be a a, an impediment to uh, building a winning roster around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The Lakers, of course, a humble mom and pop shop, uh, small business uh, like many around this country. That's Uh, why they got COVID relief, Brian. Remember, that's right. Just trying to just Mm -hmm. trying to put rub a couple nickels together to get by. Yeah, they uh, ended up returning that money, but it's it's um, right call we make the joke and it is occasionally funny as it was during the, you know, say the Warriors series, for example, to refer to the Lakers as just a humble little startup, um, going up against
1: big tech money.
0: That's right. (laughs) And, you know, you know, so it's fun to make the jokes and the bus family is by any normal standard, incredibly rich, but, um, Money is a different thing for the Lakers uh, where the family wealth is tied up entirely in the team uh, compared to other teams around the league. So um, the question of things like luxury tax payments and all of that is always and has always been a, a an issue with this team. Uh, and it's made even more complex this offseason because the rules of the new CBA are such that the There are real penalties for passing what is uh, being referred to as the second apron uh, in terms of payroll. It's about seventeen million dollars above the luxury tax. It's a second apron at which Andy the penalties for passing it become really significant. It's not just financial. it's you know, you can't use exceptions and you can't, you know pick up players off the, uh, that have been, you know, that have been uh, off the, you know, the waiver wire. Um, what do you call that at the end of the year? You know, the, the released Buyout cast. market. Thank you. I couldn't come up with the name. Um, just going to keep fishing for that until somebody saved me, flailing no, about. I
1: was willing to let you drown. <laughs> no, I
0: appreciate it. <laughs> the entire first segment is me trying to come up with the words buyout market. You know, it's um, the
1: off-season we can get away with. <laughs>
0: we got to get to the weekend somehow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but it... it it, it, it's always tricky because the Lakers, on the one hand, like these are real strategic considerations and real financial considerations. On the other hand, LeBron, Anthony yeah. Davis,
1: what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, it, just to get even more specific about some of those second apron penalties, as you mentioned, uh, there's a loss of a mid-level exception altogether, whether you're talking about taxpayer, non-taxpayer, just you don't get it a ban on including cash and trades, which sometimes end up greasing the wheels um, in these transactions. little something-something, yeah. The inability to accept more salary in a trade than the Lakers would send out, the inability, as you mentioned, to hit the buyout market, the inability to aggregate uh, contracts and trades, limitations on trading the pick, harsher tax penalties. And I mean, just the first apron in and of itself has a certain amount of penalty, like being limited to a taxpayer mid-level exception, not being able to take back more salary and trade out. Uh, again, not being able to hit the buyout market. And uh, it's it's a reason that Jovan Buha from The Athletic does great coverage of the team, friend of the show. He was talking about in a, in a mailbag um, mailbag article that he has up right now, that he thinks the Lakers are going to try to avoid the tax entirely because they'd be repeaters if they go into the tax this upcoming season since they were already in it this year. He noted it's going to be difficult considering they want to keep Austin Reeves. They want to keep Rui Hachimura to varying degrees of either necessity player, both. They may want to keep D'Angelo Russell. You know, there's decisions about Jared Vanderbilt down the line. It will not be easy for the Lakers To be competitive while avoiding this tax, Mm -hmm. but as you note, and and we'll get into, you know, the money realities versus you got LeBron on this team at a certain point, in for a penny, in for a pound. But it is worth noting, it's about more than just pay up, Genie. Even though in certain respects there is a no, seriously, pay up, Genie to this.
0: Yeah, I mean that's uh, the the. the maneuverability questions that come with these punitive things around the second apron, particularly, are legitimate. And you know they are they you know for a team like the Lakers, which is going to be, you know, not oh, God willing, not built around just um, you know veteran minimum guys and this and that and whatever. You know they are still the type of play you know, destination where a a buyout player would be potentially valuable there's still a place where you know you need that exception to be able to try to add some talent beyond what you already have and beyond what you can find in the trade market or on a veterans minimum so like these are things that are particularly important you know a god awful team or whatever uh, you know doesn't really nobody's coming to you in a buyout market anyway it doesn't matter but the lakers kind of need some of these avenues and some of these tricks um and it's also interesting like these are the places where the the austin reeves question for example become relevant in terms of like how they're impacted by a poison pill and how a poison pill uh contract could chase off the lakers i don't think it will but the kind of pain that it would cause and what i mean by that for people who don't uh may not realize austin reeves by virtue of his sort of they call it the arenas rule or whatever he can as he a, can as, a second,
1: as a second year undrafted free agent being restricted um the there's a limit to what the laker there's a limit to what the entire league can offer him but there's also a limit to what the lakers can offer him right the and, lakers can the, offer him
0: 4 and 52 basically right. and, and the and league can offer him
1: uh 4 and about close to 100 right but the structure of it it has to be backloaded if it's going to get 200 because there is a max, I believe it's about 12 million that Reeves can make in his first season, regardless of what yes. team he's on.
0: And so, you know, Austin Reeves, if he gets paid 50 million, 60 million, 70 million, 80 million next year, uh, I mean, this offseason in terms of the total contract is only going to count for, you know, like you said, about 12 million on the cap next year. But if suddenly in two years he balloons up to over those last, you know, to 25 a year or something like that. For a team like the Lakers, who are trying to project ahead, trying to juggle all these um, cap machinations and all this stuff, this is the calculus that a team would be making to say maybe, just maybe, if we make this difficult enough for them, the Lakers would look ahead and say, this is going to be problematic. I would be shocked if that was the case. But It's it's a it's a it's an example of how these rules can impact not just you know does Rui Hachimura can they give Rui Hachimura twenty one million if they need to as opposed to the seventeen that they might want to do it what if D'Lo costs twenty two instead of twenty what if you know and 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 down the line Um, the the Lakers have to think of these things in a really holistic way. And um, it'll be very interesting. it will be it be really fascinating to see what teams like the Clippers and the Warriors do, who have blown past that second threshold by tens of millions of dollars each, and have hard choices to make there. But for the Lakers, yeah, they're in the
1: mythical third apron.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not. It's again, it's not even a question of can these guys afford to pay them. The answer is yes. There is no tax that you know the the Warriors' crew or Steve Ballmer can't pay Um, but it's a question of whether or not you know it starts to really ring out your competitiveness but I want to I want to focus though on that LeBron question what is the balance Andy between maximizing what you can do with LeBron and keeping the most amount of flexibility that you have if you have to choose between adding a player and losing flexibility or keeping the flexibility, but perhaps having a little
1: less depth. Which direction do you go? That's next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and you need to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 bucks back. In bonus bets, if your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's really safe, secure, really, really easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to the top point scores, or you can get a little saucy with an exclusive bet like the two by three, two three pointers scored in the first three minutes. That will be a really interesting bet in the finals with a team like Denver that is more than capable of paying that off. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Again, safe and secure. You get paid instantly. There is no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, quick little bit of of NBA housekeeping here. Every
0: once in a while, you still see Andy people uh wondering, like, you know, would the Lakers move on from Darvin Ham? Like, you know, did did this Western Conference finals run save him? Like, does he have tons of job security next year, even? Like, what if they get off to another bad start? Monty Williams signed a contract today, uh, on Wednesday, I should say, with the Detroit Pistons, six years. Seventy-two million dollars is that agreement. I don't know if he signed it yet, but that's the uh, the reported agreement. Six years, Andy. Seventy-two million. I think oh, it can go up contract, to a hundred. Can even go up to like hundred. I believe that there's yeah. the potential there with with bonuses and incentives and all that kind of stuff. Every coach in the league, (laughs) basically their job security might have gone up considerably, particularly for a team like the Lakers, where it's considered a premium job, where you're looking at premium coaches. Darvin Ham wasn't in any real danger, you know. the The Western Conference Finals run solidified him for sure. The Lakers, I think, are very pleased with where the where they ended up. He's going to get a couple more years, but if there was any question, it's gone now because the Lakers, with this reset market after they, you know, they paid Frank Vogel last year in addition to Darvin Ham, they're not letting <laughs> Darvin Ham go to hire somebody, uh, you know, at the newly set Monty Williams six year seventy two million dollar rate. I don't remember it, I
1: don't remember a coach getting a six year deal ever. Like I, I can't I, I mean that, know, that reminds me of like when like Alan Houston used to get 13 year deals and stuff like that. Like right. honestly, I don't remember the last I, time I a can't I,
0: somebody can look it up and send it to us at Cam Brothers. Um the like the the last time something like this happened. But the part of the reason I bring this up Andy is in this conversation that we're having about um you know these these thresholds for 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 taxpaying teams for teams with high payrolls with stars and whatever. I do wonder if this kind of thing, where you know Tom Gore is the owner of of Detroit, is is spending. He's a very wealthy man. He's spending money in places that are uncapped. Coaches are uncapped. Um, you know, training facilities are uncapped. The medical staffs and all these other things. If, the, if we're going to see a bit of an arms race in those aspects of the NBA where teams are still free to spend any amount of money that they want because payrolls are going to be, in theory, a little bit more limited, I just, I, it, it, it got my attention in that way. You know, like when Steve Kerr goes back on the market, what's that contract going to look like? You know, championship caliber coaches, the, the, the CB, these CBAs always have sort of, ripple effects in different ways. And I'm wondering if this kind of thing could become more common where higher profile coaches or sought after coaches get huge deals from very wealthy people.
1: Just got me thinking. My guess is it won't. um, Just because I think for the most part, teams that were willing to pay the highest premium for the highest talent, were always willing to do it anyway. Um, And the teams that won't Aren't going to do it, regardless of it's what possible. the CBA is, because the same, the old CBA was being treated by them as too punitive to spend. So, in a new CBA that is actually more punitive, I I don't see it changing.
0: But anyway, so get back to this LeBron question. The Lakers are really are in a tricky spot. We've talked about it a bunch uh, since the end of the season, you know, and every day dayers I think this is going to be a theme that we get into throughout the off season. I am of the opinion, I think you agree, that the Lakers, if you're going to be a team that is built around LeBron first, you're going to need to try to go for it as much as you can. You you, you use the phrase, in for a penny, in for a pound. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But the second thing about it is you need regular season depth to maximize LeBron's ability to get you through a playoff, and, and Anthony Davis too, you need to support them through the regular season as much as possible. And that means having 9, 10, 11, 12 credible, playable NBA players on your rosters I mean, as much as you can. And so it puts a pressure on the Lakers really to bring back, if not the guys that they already have, to find real replacements for them, who in theory would also cost money. You know, it's, it's a difficult situation to,
1: to, to penny pinch. The truth is, as great as LeBron, you know, his career has been and as high of a level as he still can often play at, it is not practical to have a team that is built around a 39-year-old in his 21st NBA season with enough playoff mileage that, is the equivalent of another four seasons. Mm-hmm. So the reality is you have to be kind of impractical because there is no practical way of doing it. If you're looking to be practical, quite frankly, you shouldn't be doing this in the first place because LeBron at this stage of his career tied to Anthony Davis with all of his injury issues, the highs can be extremely high as we've seen. You know, the when they are cooking – they are as good as just about any duo in the league, but there's a lot of risk that comes with it, and you just have to accept that. But if you're going to be doing this for any reason other than just putting asses in seats, there's, there's a spending that just comes with it in order to make it worthwhile in the first place. You, know, like, you do have to make sure that you are spending what is ultimately going to be a lot of money as smart as possible, mm-hmm. but you can't have an aversion to spending a lot of money. And, you know, if your aversion to the first apron, the second apron is purely about strategic flexibility when it comes to building your roster, then okay, you, you got to make sure that you are splitting these hairs as well as possible and, and really making sure that you're that every dollar counts the way it should. But if you're concerned about it just because of the tax. It's unacceptable. I mean, like right. at that just point, you don't want
0: to, just because you don't want to pay the money.
1: Well, you're just you're not right. serious about this. And again, like unless you are having LeBron there primarily because you want to make sure that you are selling tickets, and I guess in the case of the Lakers, because you often don't know what to do with yourselves unless you have a superstar to to market and to you know help anchor your franchise's identity. You ha- you have to be all in. Otherwise, there really is. No point. Um, as, far as, as far as the best way to go about doing it, I'm inclined to think that it's probably retaining their name guys. You know, Rui, it's Reeves. It's probably D'Angelo Russell because you're not going to have the means for replacing him if you let him walk like you can't. Like you mm-hmm. won't get that space back. And I think the sign and trade market for D'Angelo Russell – is going to be as soft as the free agent market for D'Angelo Russell. Not impossible, but I think it will be soft. And I think ultimately, there's no team in the league that needs D'Angelo Russell more than the Lakers. And the La- D'Angelo needs the Lakers as much as they need him. But yeah, I think, I, mean, I think that's the ultimately the best way to go about doing this.
0: It's it's that it's the question, and we can we can keep talking about this after the break. It's that question of if you start to approach it and your choice is a player or flexibility, a player or all the stuff that you can do, you know, by staying under that second apron, that I think is where the Lakers are going to face some tricky decisions. Obviously it depends on the player, you know, but like, you know, I can picture scenarios in which, you know, bringing back Lonnie Walker, on a, you know, whatever deal the Lakers can offer him, you know, the seven and a half million or whatever the the, the raise they're able to give him, um, which would be pretty decent, you know, versus a veterans minimum guy where like you might have to let Lonnie walk or a player of reasonable value in order to keep that flexibility versus losing the flexibility, but adding, you know, making sure you have a, a, a potentially valuable player on your roster. Those I, I, The Lakers are going to be close enough there where I think those kinds of difficult strategic basketball decisions are going to be on the table. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers do it. And it's going to be interesting to see how all the teams that are, are in this ballpark kind of approach it. Because everyone is new to these rules. And there's n- there is no blueprint yet for the right way to do it. It'll probably be pretty apparent in a couple of years the best way to go about it, but it's not clear
1: yet. Well, I mean, you're going to start asking yourself questions. Is Lonnie Walker better than anybody you would get on a taxpayer mid-level? Because if if Lonnie's salary ultimately pushes you to a place where you don't have a mid-level at all, but Lonnie's better than anybody you would get with that mid-level anyway, then it makes sense just to have Lonnie. Sure. If say Dennis Schroeder, is better than anybody you'd get on a mid level, and you can keep your mid level exception. Then it would make sense to say let Lonnie go, sign Dennis Schroeder for most, if not all, of your taxpayer mid level, and you become a team that's somewhere either below the one sixty nine threshold or somewhere in between that one seventy. I
0: think is I think is the number they're looking at for right. The second. So, but but saying,
1: it's a, but it, but it's
0: also the other ones too. Um, there's all those little things that go along with it. I. The, the, as as the situations get close to me, like where the Lakers really are, you know, making these choices, and it'll depend, you know, it's where the extra, it's where 18 million versus 20 million for Rui becomes an issue. It's where 17 versus 19 for D'Angelo, whatever it might be, all these little numbers that Otherwise, wouldn't make a huge difference, could. You mentioned uh, D'Angelo and Dennis Schroeder. Interesting comment that was left on the Locked on Lakers YouTube page regarding their potential uh, ability to return and what they might get paid. And so uh, let's get to that next. So this comment from Professional English, Andy, if D'Lo walks... Turning down what the Lakers offer him will quickly see, uh, he'll quickly see how Dennis felt, meaning Schroeder, after turning down his offer a couple years ago, uh, the bag, as he so uh, notoriously fumbled. I thought that was, I mean, I get what uh, professional English is getting at. I do think contextually, though, the Lakers and D'Angelo are in in a different spot. Like, it's harder... For the Lakers to move on quickly from Russell in terms of just being able to like replace him with a different player um, to do the same thing because of all the stuff we're talking about before. Like they don't have the cap space to go out and get him. It's they don't really want to use a mid-level, their only real real exception here, to replace a player that they already have. Like, I feel like there's a little bit more. Go see what you can find. Come back to us. Let's have a negotiation. Um, Whereas with Dennis, once he said, no, thank you, the Lakers were able to more quickly move away from that um, than this. So I thought that was an interesting thing, too. But it also gets into the question of how easy is it going to be, Andy, do you think, to bring back Schroeder if they want to? Because his market is going to be interesting, and the Lakers are limited in what they can offer him.
1: I mean, I think it depends a lot on what type of exception the Lakers have, assuming they have one at all. Depending on where where their payroll right. uh, lands,
0: So, I, I, I know, Yovon talked about it in the argument. The, I think the assumption across the league is that the Lakers will just will will use the taxpayer mid level, sure. Um, but I'm I'm just, I'm just, just saying, somewhere be, in that six million neighborhood or whatever, right? I, I
1: I know, but I'm just saying it depends obviously sure, on where sure, it sure, ends sure. up landing. I would be surprised if Schroeder commanded more than mid-level money you know that that was the money that he made when he was signed by the celtics um after fumbling the bag um i even though dennis had a pretty good season i i'd be surprised if he could command much more than that and he seems like he wants to be here seems like he really likes it here he loves darvin ham and the feeling is quite mutual so I think assuming the Lakers have a mid-level exception at all, I think their chances of keeping Dennis are reasonable. But they don't good. they don't
0: have if if they can offer him a, what is it? Is it twice or three times his current salary? I thought it was uh, 3. 3x over what they what they paid him last year. And if that's the case, they may not even need to use the exception. I don't it's I don't think it's
1: I don't think it's 3x. Is, Lonnie Walker, the most they can offer him is I believe it's 7.7 7 million. Because mm-hmm. that's a, I think it's like a one and a quarter percent raise, something like that. I think it's along those lines for anybody coming off a one year deal. So I don't think, I think without using the exception, the most they can offer Schroeder is about three, three ish million. I could be wrong about this, but I believe that's the case.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a tricky, you know, it it, it just get it, it for the Lakers to bring back. Everyone um, starts to get into these little tricky places, like and obviously nobody, I think, expects the Lakers are going to have exactly the same roster um, as as they did after the trade deadline last year. But you know, it, it the, it's such a lousy free agent year that you know there are going to be a there it happens every year, but in particularly in a bad year, a couple guys, you know, teams are going to get. Desperate, some some team somewhere is going to get desperate to spend some money on someone, and there'll be some eye popping deals. But I I kind of feel like there are going to be a lot of players that are still standing around hoping to get something better than you know a taxpayer mid or something like that, and hopefully that benefits the Lakers.
1: Well, I I I saw uh, Nate Jones, who if you don't follow him on Twitter, he, he is a phenomenal NBA follow. He Works. I want to say, I apologize if I'm getting this wrong. I want to say he works with the Goodwin Agency. I know he works with Damian Lillard. And he talked about how people are focusing on, you know, with this new CBA and how it's going to affect the, the superstars of the league and super teams and all that stuff. What he said it's likely to do, and I think it's a sharp observation and he's likely correct. What it's really going to do is hurt the NBA middle class, if not wipe it away. You know, which, why should the NBA middle class be any different than America's middle class? Well, you know? like, well, I mean, class and, and is, this, by middle the way, class is always this where has been a, go. I was about to say, this is, but this has been a trend in the NBA for a while. That middle class is where you may start seeing people get squeezed. And that becomes particularly important with the Lakers because as much as they're going to be thinking about the discrepancy between, million and $20 million for Rui Hachimura, so are the other 29 teams around the league. Like this Mm -hmm. affects them as well. Same thing with like a $15 million offer versus $17 million for D'Angelo Russell or even some backloaded deal for Austin Reeves, which again, I don't think there's a scenario where the Lakers do not match for Austin, just period. I think they're going to keep him and worry about the rest later. But it is important to remember that all of these other teams are going to have, even ones with cap space, they're going to have the same apprehensions about their own future, and you know the difference between two or three million dollars and their own payroll implications as the Lakers. Right. That's that's, a, that's
0: kind of my point. Is I, I think you know if if it depresses the market, a depressed market helps the Lakers. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely. A really good year for the absolutely. market to be depressed, and you know for D'Angelo Russell to be looking around and seeing 13 million here, 14 million there, 15 million there where the Lakers can say, all right, how about this? Let's, let's settle on, you know, two years at 17 and a half and we'll put a partially guaranteed third year in there. You know, and, and you, know, you get a little bit more. We get to keep the player we need um, who's better than anybody. Like it, there are years where you go into it and feel like spending is going to be off the hook. Um, this does not feel like one of them, both because of the new rules and because of the quality of the free agent market, lack thereof, really. Um, A lot of teams uh, could just sort of choose to keep their proverbial powder dry. Um, And it is good timing for the Lakers to have something like this because it will open up options for trades. It will open up options to try to hold on to players that they want. Um, Something to look forward to, Andy. I was asked an interesting question. Uh, today, doing on Wednesday, doing the Roger Lodge show in uh, in L.A., of course, longtime host in Orange County, about the players on the Lakers with the greatest upside. Um, so that is something that uh, we're going to get into on Friday because the answer to that question really gets into how the Lakers are constructing this roster and, again, what it means to build something around LeBron, uh, around LeBron and A.D. Also, Lock- too, uh,
1: real quick, um, as far as building around LeBron and A.D., Um, Some details I want to get into on Friday involving Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba as trade assets. Oh, yeah. They, They can be, but the way is very particular, which in turn may, I think, very directly impact who the Lakers could take back in a trade for them. So we'll get into that on Friday as well.
0: Plenty to look forward to. All of this stuff becomes super relevant as uh, the Lakers and the league uh, approach the NBA draft. Well, let's talk a little bit about the NBA finals, which kick off and uh, could give the Lakers a little bit of a barometer as to where they stand uh, vis-a-vis the rest of the league. So all that coming up uh, Friday and into next week. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show. Everybody have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.